Hi, and welcome to the World Networking Podcast. Today we're going to dive into Benjamin Heaney's story as a student and academic of anthropology, a scholar interested in both philosophy and the human existence, and kind of his story about how he got there and how it's shaped him to be the person he is today. I really do hope you connect with today's story as we both really enjoyed it and look forward to recording more sessions together. Don't be afraid to reach out anytime. We love the connection. We love the feedback. We want that interaction from you guys so we can improve the show. So just let us know if there's anything you see that we can improve. Now we hope you enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the World Networking Podcast. Today we have Benjamin Heaney joining us. And he's studying currently to be an anthropology major. Yeah. How's it going uh, today? Doing pretty well, pretty well. Pretty excited to be on this podcast. I'm very glad to have you on. And it's been too long since we've recorded the next episode. Two weeks two weeks travel slow sometimes. Yeah, yeah, no kid, no kid. Absolutely. But I appreciate you coming on today and um taking time to have a discussion about your general background with your knowledge and, and experiences through your schooling and your different jobs. So if you're willing to elaborate a little bit uh for the audience, well what's kind of your background in education? What got you uh started to the path of college? Yeah, absolutely. So as uh, as you mentioned, um, I'm going to school right now. I started, I, I've worked a variety of jobs. Uh, I started going to Sonoma State University down near Santa Rosa in 2018. Um, I started fall semester there almost immediately after high school. Um, and I've been going there, I'll be graduating actually this semester, next week from right now where we're recording this. Uh, which I'm pretty excited for. Um, Congratulations on that! Yeah, th- thank you, man. Thank you. It's been it's been a it's been a hell of a journey to get here. Um, I took a my as said like within that time, my work experience has been somewhat sporadic. Um, but because yeah, I've been trying, you know, I work in between the semesters during the summer break and the winter breaks. Um, and I've worked a variety of different jobs, all of which have given me a lot of different perspectives on different aspects of the workforce and overall have really helped contribute to, to my modern perspective now, which I greatly appreciate. So it's grown to be a part of your core. I do. Absolutely. Um, cause I think the thing, um, just to like kind of go into it, especially now that I'm graduating college uh, this was something i think we want to be talking about or i wanted to try and explore a little bit more on is you know when you're going to school it's a very different environment than when you're going to work a full-time job i i actually in graduating i'm looking forward to uh to going into the workforce um i just got hired at enterprise rental car um, thanks to some of my friends who work in management there and who were able to give me a referral. I'm really excited about that. It's, it's a very, going to college and then thinking about going right into the workforce is a very interesting transition to think about. 
you know, when, when you're going to school, I've also been working part-time at the university, and that's been a, a good way to help get some income, but it's not, especially depending on where you live, it's, you know, can hardly be enough sometimes. So in between the semesters when I'm not going to school, I've done a bunch of different jobs. Right after graduating high school, I actually got to work for a trail crew um, that was out in the Truckee Valley, which was a, a fantastic experience, um, even though it was a little bit short term due to different circumstances, but overall really beneficial. Um, I've worked for the county. So I've worked for public works, uh, you know, repairing roads. I've worked for the engineering department there. Uh, I've also worked for part-time for UPS, United Postal Services, or United Parcel Services, excuse me. And yeah, it, 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 when you're going to school and then trying to find work in between, it, it, it does hold a lot of a different mentality than when you're just going straight into the workforce and you're working a constant uh, schedule. Because you think, oh, yeah, I'm going to work here for a little and then I got to go back to school um, or, you know, all right, now that I'm finishing up the semester, time to find another job to do. Um, but now that I'm graduating, I'm like, OK, what career like what like what am I looking for to go down the career? Um, it, it, and as I said, it's like it's a very. It, 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 <laughs> After going to school for five years to think that I'm done and now transitioning over into a, a full-time job, it's such a, 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 it's both melancholy, but then also exciting to, to, to think about. Absolutely. I think any stage to life makes you think and reflect on your origin and kind of how you stabilized into the progression because oh. it, it doesn't happen in just a day it happens throughout your whole life <laughs> oh absolutely no absolutely i've actually been doing a lot of reflection right now and looking where i am now i feel like i'm still me i mean i apart from certain things i don't think i've changed much over the years but going to college and you know learning more about especially in regards to anthropology really learning more about our species homo sapiens um and the way in which we work and the way in which we you know we function socially and how our cultures form and change it has provided me such an incredible perspective on both my existence but then also thinking about the world around me. And, you know, five years ago, I never could have perceived the person I would become today. And I'm really, really happy that I got to have the opportunity, thanks to my parents and to the support of my family, to go to college and actually experience, you know, the academic world and learn so much. And also, you know, grow as a person. That for me is like the biggest things for me coming out of college is just how I have grown and changed for the better because it, it comparing thinking back to myself straight high school I was like I can't even perceive it anymore it's like a Benjamin that I don't necessarily even recognize anymore yeah I believe it high school changes 
uh, the dynamic of your younger life, but after going into the workforce and having to be an adult and adult responsibilities and time management, there's a lot more that's shifted into the user's hands. Uh, oh, the teachers uh, and the, the staff used to do a lot of that that people don't think about, you know, when when they're on campus as much as I would would have thought in high school. Um, I definitely did, but not everyone did. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I, and I think that is, um, in regards to the teachers, I, I was thinking about this, and I've talked about this with some of my classmates. The transition from high school to college is very much like, when you go to college, you, in, in essence, are in charge. When you're going to school, when you're going to like high school, elementary school, those foundational years, it, it, you know, I kind of, when you're in it and when you're going to it, and for a lot of people who think that they're forced, who perceive it as being forced to go to school, it's like, oh, you know, this place sucks. I don't want to go here. I'd rather be outside, you know, playing, having fun with my friends. But when you get to college, it really come. you really have to regulate it. You have to, because there's plenty of time to play, but you also have to willingly put aside time to study because it, that's the reason why you're going there. You're going there for you, not, you should be going for you and not for anybody else. And because it, it will show, it will reflect in how teachers regard you and how you do your schoolwork because the teacher because the teacher's like hey i'm getting paid i love teaching this subject all the teachers that i've talked to the way i think about it is that any teacher who goes who, who you interact with is a humongous fucking nerd like they love the subject that they teach more often than not some of them can be a little bit varied so but when you're talking to them and you interact with them in class they're really shown trying to pass on this knowledge to you. I always think of it in the same way of you're doing an apprenticeship. You are working closely with your teacher. You're listening to them. You're working. You're talking with them, learning what they know and trying to then apply it yourself. And that mentality, I actually remember speaking to uh, someone in my freshman year who is now, I think, a journeyman. He's like, he was, he was talking to us. It's like, yeah, I mean, it, it really does kind of transition over of just like how you learn compared to how you learn in high school. Yeah. And something we were talking about before was the development of the brain and speculating if you become more instinctive towards survival as you mature and self preservation so you can endure the day so you can better tackle the tasks at hand no a hundred a hundred percent i agree with that because it very much because especially now it's just like sometime depending on where you go to school you may have closer proximity to your to your immediate family or relatives you know but for me it's uh you know i'm a good five hours away from quincy and so you know apart from having some family in the bay area down near Half Moon Bay, like I'm pretty much by myself up here. You know, when I got to when I got here, admittedly, I still was I still very much was under my parents' wing. I still very much am, I feel, because you know, they want me to 
go through college without having to acquire any debt, which I greatly appreciate. And I, you know, I'm entire internally grateful for everything they've done for me. But when you're down here and you're in college and you're in your dorm room, you are by yourself. You are for the first time in your, for me personally, for the first of my life, I was independent. I was looking after myself. I had to make sure that I was getting up in time. I had to go get myself breakfast. I had to go to class, go take care of myself, do my laundry, make sure that, you know, I'm healthy and all going to the gym. And through that, it can be it can be anxious at first. I think something that we could probably elaborate on is that um, a little bit later. But there is that like fear of for me a lot of it was fear of making a mistake and not being able to recover. But simply just through doing and through acting, I was able to learn and I feel much more competent and able to care for myself now than. I did in freshman year. So I think I, I do believe that through, you know, going out and taking care of yourself, you do have you you learn that sense of self-preservation and being able to take care of yourself. Yeah. And, and something to tag off of what you said is there's really no there's no easy way to learn. Right. You have to take the time to understand the content that you're diving into to understand the context, to understand the perspective you're having with it, how you're going to reflect the information that's given to you, and you as a person, how you're going to react, if you're even going to enjoy it. So there's a big risk when it comes to college, and that's part of what scared me when I was still in high school because I felt like I couldn't write scholarship papers Oh, no, I, I, I totally understand. Um, I mean, even for me, like back in high school, I my biggest thing was is that I do up until probably about closer to this semester, the later years of my college career, um, I sucked at tests. There is no easy way of going around it in high school. I was getting the best I could do basically on any sort of test was a B. Worst case, I was getting a D, anywhere in between that range, and it just didn't feel, I didn't feel intelligent. I didn't feel like I was learning, and it really was, um, a lot of the times, like, you know, back in elementary school, I was getting, you know, A's on all my, in elementary school, I was getting A's on my assignments, I was doing great, then I transitioned over to middle school and high school, and my grades started dropping. And to be honest, like, and this is probably another whole thing to unpack, but I got scared to show my parents, you know, my grades. But then I got into college and I realized I'm like, I'm not doing this for a grade. I'm doing this to learn and to, to better myself. And that completely changed my approach to it. You know, as, as said in regards, like I told you, and I know where you're coming from with the with the academic articles thing. I, the, part of the reason I'm glad that I'm graduating college is that I do not have to look at another goddamn academic article again. I have been, <laughs> I ha, I've read so many of them that I'm I'm sick of it. Someone someone asked me they they asked me like, oh, have you been? You're graduating now. Have you been thinking about you know, a graduate school? And I would just look at him and be like, I have been. No, I, I, I do not want to go to graduate school right now. Later down the line, sure, I'll consider it. But right now, 
I am so sick of all the terms and like the the cons trying to read through the concepts of the papers. Um, like it, it can be a headache sometimes, and it can be hard to push through those 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 readings. Um, but to, to build off that, it's just like that's where I feel. Because for me, I graduated and then immediately went to a four year. And even though I'm graduating five years, compared to some people, this is a you know it's a relatively short time in college. Um, but one thing like I've been thinking about now is like you know community college exists. I've spoken with so many people at Sonoma State who were transfers. Um, they go to a community college, they get a lot of the GEs out of the way because it's significantly cheaper than just immediately going to college because one thing i didn't realize um was how many basic requirements you need to complete so i had to go and scramble through try to rearrange my classes to be able to get these you know general education requirements out of the way and part of me is just like i should part of me is just like i should have gone to community college because that simply would have allowed me to get a lot of those basic requirements out of the way and so I could just immediately then go into my major and uh, and just do what I want to do. But then again, I've had a bit of a strange uh, overall college experience switching majors. So, but I I think nowadays also I'm gonna more often than not say like, hey, you know, don't feel the rush to immediately go into college. If you want to, go for it. If you feel capable of doing so, right on. Other people may be, as said to yourself, may be a lot more hesitant. So I think trying to direct people to community colleges more than just straight to a four-year is going to be a lot better for them in the long run. That makes sense. And they're able to stabilize how they learn and understand like how quick they read, like what they actually absorb outside of the high school environment. Because it's a culture shock, right? When you oh, graduate. A hundred percent. It's it's a complete change in perspective in the way you work. Because that said, it, with, the, with the teachers, it's just like, hey, you know, I, you know I, I've heard teachers say at the beginning of the classes of the semester going like, hey, I want you all to do well in this class, but you have to put in that effort. I will teach you and I will help you learn but if you're not going to put in 100%, you're not going to get 100% of a grade. And that, for me, is where I, it, it really changed. I'm not saying that none of my teachers in high school cared about it, you know, cared about their students. I know plenty of my, my fellow students may have different perspectives on there after graduating high school. But for me, the teachers in, in college, they felt... It felt like an approach to them a little bit more often and just talk about, you know, the subject in hand. And it felt more engaging to learn from. The one thing with community college that I've noticed, and I, I think this uh, reigns true for a lot of people with community colleges in their hometowns. They just, they're kind of there and Everyone knows that you can kind of go into them, but because a lot of the people you probably know in your community, it feels like high school point, like 2.0, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the only flaw 
I see with community college when it comes to the youth and connecting with said community colleges, they're a little bit out of touch with what they're presenting uh, on a broad spectrum, like what they're providing for the student. And I think that's been washed up over the years because of Google, because of search engines. Um, there's, you know, various technological reasons that this is happening, uh, the drift between society and college, because it's an essential tool we need, to put it plainly. We need college um, for <laughs> levels of society to operate. I, I oh. think most people agree that that's, that's necessary. Uh, so uh, how do we integrate it better? A hundred percent. And I, I think that's the thing is part of it is, I believe, how best to say, I think that part of it regards is in regards to culture and the way and the mentality that we learn growing up, um, really how that affects how we perceive the world. Because I can say right now, the, the, the mentality and philosophy that I have now what is so revolutionary. In my perspective, in my to myself, than where I was in high school, and part of that is, as said, you know, leaving that for us especially, I think, leaving that small town mentality, and because Cameron, as I'm sure you know, or for those of you who may not know, I've known Cameron for years now. Um, we've been good friends for a long time, and we both grew up together. So we, we both know the, the the vibes of living in a small tight-knit community and as well as some of the the issues that come with that um but you know growing up in that small town i totally understand what you mean by that 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 still high school mentality because there's going to be some especially depending on where you go to school if you decide to go to a community college you're still going to be interacting with the people in high school and there is that transition of people like oh hey we're no longer in high school we're now going from 18 to 21, that transition period, that, that time where you're really learning what it means to be an adult is, it, it, it could be a very term, it could be a turmoil-ridden time through just interact through both self-reflection, but then interacting with your peers. And so, like, especially when it comes to community college, um, depending on what's being offered as well, there, there, there definitely exists a disconnect. I feel like I completely agree. Yeah, and and it comes naturally because it's like class divides with money, for instance. Um, there's just a dynamic in society that it, it's like, oh well, I'm just gonna go do the trades. Oh, I'm just gonna go do side work. I'm, you know, going to make it by with, with the county um, and do the seasonal stuff. There's, it, it really depends the area you're from. That's, that's obviously what we're used to being in a seasonal place. But um, when it comes to generals, gen, the general population and their interest to join any of the projects going on with these community projects or community colleges, excuse me. It's essentially just a matter of 
lack of communication. No one really understands what the main goals always are for that college. So it's like, how do you rally your town to push their students to receive a local education rather than spend a lot more money going for a university or, or is that really the better option at the end of the day? Should everyone be going to the universities? And if that's the case, why is education so expensive? And absolutely. I, <laughs> I no, think no, that's, no, that that's is... the question that's been debated for a while. So. Oh, absolutely. But, but it really does hold true. I mean, especially for me right now, um, because I've done, you know, there's so many people that I, so many great people that I've met going to college. And I think the big thing to realize is that th th this took me a while to process, but everybody, everybody is different. Everybody is unique in their own way in the sense of, you know, we're all humans. We all feel the same similar range of emotions simply from our, our evolution and our genetic, um, not so much genetic restraints, but kind of like how our species works. And, but we all have different experiences. We all come from different backgrounds, different parents, different communities. And, you know, and I think this, you know, this, I've seen this a lot now going to, going to college and talking with so many different people from all over the state of just, as you said, it's just like, it really does come down to money. At the end of the day, I, I think as you were saying, it really revolves around money and how you get whether or not you have it to begin with. You know, I, as said for me, I am very fortunate in that my parents have been saving up um, for me to go to college since they found out I was born. My dad got a disability from his service in the army, and so I was able to get Calvet to drop down my tuition. But then there are others. There's a friend of mine who had to take out student loans, work a full-time job um, just to be able to graduate in four years. And I, I know some people who are working two jobs, taking full units at, you know, for like 16 to 20 units. And for me, there, there's a, there's a sense of guilt that comes with it. Um, if anything, I should feel appreciation, but there is that, there, there is that sense of guilt of like, how is it that, you know, this person has to struggle so much compared to me. We all come from different backgrounds. And I think that that's the thing is like, there's the way in which our culture is structured is that it very much is individualistic. The economy, the um, so socially wise, politically wise, it really is focused on the individual. And so you can have a small town community like, you know, like we grew up in, and yet still feel so completely isolated simply because people do not the people aren't programmed to connect on such a such a communal level i think that you know you and i as said it's like even in the community sense in growing up where we grew up it is compared to what other people may think it's not what it seems 
Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. And the biggest factor that affects that is the mentality. Like, if you go in not wanting to go through more academics and go through more schooling, then you're probably really not going to enjoy that school, no matter who's there, because it's a personal, individual problem. Um, now, there's there's reasons, you know, there's plenty of things that can happen that shift a person's mindset from wanting to do such things. But generally, I'd say it's it's really unfortunate that the mentality has to be i i'm making it but why is this person not making it like that we should all have a chance to follow academics and even if that's uh you know you're not able to afford it hey look here's your one time in life to to redeem this educational um ticket this this trip into our campus to study this this major or whatever like if if it was formed to be that way where everyone gets that chance if you mess up you had to come back with your own money and you know that's that's just how they run it that would make more sense to me than what it is now other than it's meant to be manipulated by money. And unfortunately, I think we live in a society where there are some people in the society that would rather things be open to their wallet so they can manage. And we unfortunately can't all be associated with some of the these schools because they just cost too much the average person doesn't make as much as they're asking oh absolutely and i mean if you do like especially i mean even the i was thinking about that as well of because i think for where we grew like for me in my hometown there was the program where if you graduate from the high school and you can go to community college that was, you know, just down the road for, I think, probably about a year or so. I, I think you, there was a time, there was a period where which you do not have to pay admission or tuition because you, you know, you graduated from there and you went straight to community college. And I, I think that that needs to be more of the case because. As I said, like, there needs to be that redeemed ticket because some people you know, they may graduate high school and say, I really don't want to work. I don't, I do not want to go to school anymore. I want to go and I want to work. Um, or better yet, even so, th th no one ever talks about this is trade schools. There is, you know, an entire different avenue of education that's not just that in, in a sense is you know could be considered academic but that is really more focused on you know working with your hands going and you know learning all these different technical skills trade schools i feel are not ever really talked about enough um and especially now is like that i'm sure you know you and i growing up is like we've heard from plenty of old timers and of the older generation of like oh these kids don't want to work anymore 
you know, that, that's all. That's a whole the whole cultural and generational gap is a whole other subject to be breached. But so many of the older generations who have this, you know, this tradesman knowledge are dying out, and no one is really pushing for people to go to trade schools anymore. Part of it, I think, is because oh, you look at college; it's money. It's it is a way to generate revenue, so you're going to naturally push people towards that. But then at the same time, there is an entire another avenue of schooling that people aren't going down. And I think that that needs broadening the options and telling kids, hey, you have different ways to go. You are not simply you. You are not built on this path of like you graduate, you go from you, you know, go to preschool, you go to elementary school. Then you go to high school. Then as soon as you graduate high school, you go to a four-year. Then once you go to a four-year, you go and you get your doctorate. You go and get your PhD or all these different things. What it should really go is like telling kids in high school, like sophomore, junior year, saying, hey, guys, look at all these different options. Maybe you want to go to college. That's great. But maybe you don't know where you, what you want to major in. Well, then you should go to community college. Get, some, get those GEs out of the way. Or you may go and say, I don't want to... You know, I don't want to do any of those things. Oh, hey, how about a trade school? How about going and acquiring all these different, you know, technical skills that you can use? And I think that that needs to telling kids they have options and different ways to go and changing the culture from a pipeline schooling system. I think that is going to be the that needs to be a conversation that is broached and it, it kind of opened up upon in the in the school system of just saying hey we need to tell these kids that they have options but then there's also the case of some kids they don't have a choice they have to graduate they graduate high school or they drop out and they have to start working because i th- i'm trying to remember the st- statistics 67% of the of the working population in the United States is living paycheck to paycheck. If you are in a family of, you know, you have if you're the oldest of three siblings and your mom and dad are constantly having to work but, you know, their jobs are, do not pay enough, more often than not you're going to have to either graduate high school or drop out and immediately start working. Just so you can not only try to barely even support yourself, but you may have loved ones who rely on that income in order to survive. And that is just becoming such a, with the way that the economy is shifting, and uh, this has become so much more prevalent to me since I've gone to college and also done volunteer work, so much of the American and U.S. population is just utterly screwed over not even getting into politics or anything just the way the economy is structured is it screws so many people out of living a good life it's it's terribly tragic man i mean there's so much to go off of those points i i i agree with everything you've been listing um the main thing that calls out to me is is the american people are upset um and you know we all look at public education right where do most people think when they think public education they always think 
to the grade schools and um, the high schools. They they want to bring it to the lower level because they're like, well, at development age. And that makes sense. But that doesn't mean the higher education should be any less prioritized. And that's where I don't understand the message. We need to actually work towards writing, writing things out that we need from education, that we accept as a commonality to find on a campus accessible to the average student free of charge. That there should be things that, like, why why is there a knowledge barrier? That's that's what I've never understood. Why is there this gap that has to exist between the community and the college? And essentially, there's always going to be one because of safety, and I understand that. You know, you can't have people walking into classrooms, and I wouldn't want that either. But there should be at least an area for academics, like... And if there is, that that should be more highlighted, I think, to the public. And, and 100%. Actually, to, in relation to, to that separation between um, the community and, you know, the campus, that actually is something that I learned about. There is a specific term or a specific uh, technique. I can't remember the name of the gentleman who created it. But it basically centered around building a college campus, but keeping it away from the lower class. And, and this actually, I've seen this at Sonoma State University of the, the area that it is placed is so far away from all the low income and poverty ridden areas of Sonoma County, like Santa Rosa area. There is so many there are so many neighborhoods that are just, you know, completely run down because that is the only place people can afford. When I was doing my volunteer work with the uh, with the California Homemakers Association, which just as context for listeners, um, is centered around creating a voice for unrecognized workers in California. Basically, domestic workers, service workers, farm workers, uh, part-time workers, people who have been uh, banned by the federal government from being able to form unions. So, uh, basically, it's around providing services free of charge through the donation and the kindness of the community um, to provide people with way to try and build a voice and address conditions in a constructive networking manner. But the issue is, is that Sonoma State University is built far away from that. It is built in the the suburb area where it is surrounded by all these, you know, brand new housing developments. It's by all these like middle class uh, neighborhoods. Actually, where I currently live is on a golf course right next to a golf course um and this is and then you have of course you know you have your your uh your uh all the the shopping areas that are nearby you have fast food chains i mean there's a mcdonald's and a taco bell across the street from 
from the Sonoma State University. And so the way that it is built is like to separate the students from the community. It is purposefully built to create that dissonance between like, oh yeah, you're living on college campus, you know, life is great, yada, yada, yada. That's the message at least that is portrayed. But the majority of kids who are local to this area come from, you know, low income, uh, lower middle class families, especially uh, Latino students. I've heard, I, there, that has been a subject that has been brought up a lot is that this area, because it's farmland, has a lot of migrant workers in it. And, you know, the sons and daughters of these migrant workers are having to put themselves to school because their parents can't even afford rent. And so it, it does it has that correlation between the costs rising and needing to, to put more money in to be able to, you know, spending more money to try to better yourself while also just getting completely shafted and, you know, paying out your ass just to try to make ends meet. And so for a lot of people, you know, there is that disconnect. And I think that the issue, and, and this is something that I've been struggling with, and I think this is a, a topic that needs to be talked about more, is a sense of, not hopelessness, um, but being able to ha want to have that conversation and trying to unify people in a community to, you know, because the people, they have power. I mean, I always think of it like this of, you know, like, look at France right now, you know, with the, uh, with the president trying to raise the retirement age by two years, people are losing their minds. They're going in there, you know, people are striking, people are protesting, people are rioting. The individuals and the average working person, you know, as said, I, I, I suppose to say, not to get too much into, into, you know, college terms, but, you know, well, I, I can't even remember the term. But the working people, the average person has power, but the way in which our, our culture and society have been structured is that it completely separates everybody. So for there to be changed, there needs to be discussion with your neighbor. You know, I, th I feel like social media and technology have made that a lot harder of a discussion to have. There are benefits to it, but at the same time, it also is creating so much discontent and separation in the community itself, regardless of where you live. I agree. I agree. And there's so much going on when it comes to division. And politics is one of those things. Um, I try my best to stay to philosophy, but it's it's philosophy always ties into politics, right? It, and that's the funniest part about it is the philosophy makes you a politician in the eyes of others when you're just trying to reason with society and what's given to you. It be before it was like. <clears throat> we understood that we needed to improve society. We needed to develop society better than it was. And there was a sense of, okay, let's come together. Let's survive better. Let's learn what's around us so we can take our environment and use that to help, to nurture, to grow. 
And essentially that's changed to what can I take before it all runs out? Or what can I grab? What can I siphon? What can I pull? What knowledge can I stream? Like there's a sense of, there's a different sense of urgency from different people, right? But there's still a sense of urgency. Like, you know, I, this is my life. I'm living in the present. I, we live in a fast society that tends to want to think fast. So generally in the workforce, you do, you're not given that time to, oh, you know, let me, let me pull out my book and I'll give you a response in five minutes. We don't work like that. We're, okay, here, let me identify the problem. Let me engage a solution. So I think that's the problem with politics and just general conversation in society, at least in the United States, is there's a sense of urgency with every conversation because you don't know that person. You don't know if they, you know, have knowledge that you could use for a project you're working on, or, but you don't know those things until you engage with it, a conversation. So I feel like if we would just come together both between education and politics and just have open conversations that can be prone to error, you know, are open enough to accepting those errors and moving past them to make growth. That's the important part. That's 100%. Why I try to stay on both sides. I try to stay current with both, right? Um, I don't necessarily try to argue the other quote-unquote, for their opinions, for what they believe to be the truth. It, it, at this point, there is fake news. We are all aware of it. It's here to stay, unfortunately. They're, the only thing we can do is come together and reason past that to see and identify, oh, well, maybe this is actually the case, not, not what I read online. So, Absolutely. And and education helps us identify that. That's one of the important factors that I value from my education is I'm able to read. You know, I'm able to <laughs> actually identify phonics and it, man, I, there's a lot of people in history who couldn't do that. I and I am absolutely thankful for public education, man. I it it, it just goes deep. Absolutely. And because if I may, it's like, this is where for me, as an anthropologist, I have been exposed because with anthropology, for uh, those listening who may not know exactly what that is, anthropology centers around the understanding of what it, you know, you have history, which is the, uh, the discussion of past events, how one thing led to another and kind of like backtracking you know, seeing all the different ways, all the different connections and spider webs that led from different events and interactions. Psychology is the understanding of the human mind, the way in which we process the world. Anthropology is centered around how, like what it means to make us human, both in the community sense and in the material sense. Um, language and knowledge, the ability, the, 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 
the reason the sole reason that our species is able to be where it is today is because of our ability to talk to communicate to have a language that allows us to share ideas looking at our most uh, our closest living relatives uh, chimpanzees bonobos primates um they are incredibly intelligent animals they have you know there's been recorded evidence of them using tools of being able to work together to hunt in in small little groups but that is as far as their ability to work together goes they our ability to have language to, to read to even just write down the thoughts that are occurring in your head is such a powerful tool. This is why journaling is actually such a strongly encouraged way to improve yourself because it gets the thoughts from your head out onto paper and allows you to visualize them and communicate them, not just to maybe perhaps other people, but even to yourself. And you, there are people, you know, maybe perhaps less so, but there are people today that, you know, do not know how to read or they don't know how to write because public either because public education has been not been of good quality has not been offered to them or their opportunities have not arisen through different circumstances. But just the ability to talk is so vital for our species to be where it is today. And because we all have different experiences being able to communicate that is what i feel is the reason the reason why both philosophy and politics exists because we all have different experiences the the reason behind philosophy is how do you go through your day what is your thought process in understanding the world as you go through your day politics is you know and that can be for me philosophy is much more on the personal level that is like a one-on-one, -on -one, if not a small group discussion to be had in where you're sharing those ideas. Politics takes it to a larger area because in our, in, especially in our democracy, we have a representative democracy, though I suppose now that can be a, a debated, depending on the, you know, your view of it, that may be a, a debatable topic. I personally feel just, that it is. Just to um, put it out there, after studying it recently again too like ref, uh, reflecting back on the data yeah, i definitely think we're an oligarchy oh, or so that we're a democracy a hundred percent i i that is something that i came to to realize as well going through college um and this is actually another interesting thing is because so uh years ago um, when I first started going to college, it was a friend of mine who I had a falling out with. Cameron, I think you know who I'm referring to. And, you know, basically it's just like, oh, you, you stupid, you live, pardon my language here, but you, you liberal cuck, you know, you're getting brainwashed at a, at a liberal college, yada, yada, yada. And for me, it, like, it hurt at the time because, you know, this is someone I've known for years. But for me, it's just like, I'm trying to go to better myself and to learn more about this world. But because of the way in which politics have gone, especially like, you know, if you're perhaps more leaning towards the conservative side of the scale, um, you may hear people say, especially if you interact with them often, 
you may hear people say, oh, all these, you know, all these people are getting brainwashed with, you know, ideas and communist ideology in in these colleges and these closed off campuses or on the opposite side of that you have, you know, I've heard plenty of this from the, from liberals, you know, and uh, uh, more left-leaning people is like, Oh, all these, you know, uneducated, stupid Republicans and conservatives. And my biggest thing is, is I realized is, is there's so much, I was just even on YouTube, just watching through the shorts that pop up on my page is there's such rampant dehumanization dehumanization has become the cornerstone of american politics and culture devaluing other people's experiences and their right to exist as a human and acknowledge their their humanity has become so prevalent and it's just it it's disgusting now i'm so i'm getting so just sick of seeing it and i you know want to change that because the thing i realized is like we all come from different experiences no one has a right or wrong way to live the cultures that and this is where anthropology comes in for me through communication language and culture culture is the so def, the anthropological definition of culture is the social practices and traditions by which form the lens which people view the world they it is the cultures that you are a part of are not just the social practices but it's the the way in which you view certain social situations the way in which we view if i actually just saw a study on this if you take two people one person from chicago and another person from from india I can't say a specific region. My geography is not the great. But if you, if you uh, show them the same situation, the emphasis by which they see something as right or wrong is going to be vastly different because different cultures have different emphases on social implications. And there exist so many different cultures in the United States that... You know, even within the same town, there can be such polar opposite ends of a of, of a spectrum that it very much leads to clashes. This is where often why you see, you know, when there's a protest, there's often a counter protest because there are going to be people in the same region who just there's such a disconnect that they see them as a violent opposition and a threat to their their culture and their way of life. It, it it's. So dehumanization and the devaluing of other people's cultures and perspectives really is creating such a difficult arena for us to, it's basically taken, the, the way I think of it now is that to sit down and have a conversation in America is like trying to, is like trying to, to have a discussion on the Flash Gordon spinning arena of death. That is often what it feels like, because there are so many different social implications of like, oh, I want to go and talk to this person who has a different experience. But then given, you know, the way that people have been portrayed in the media, they may blow up on me. They may start losing and yelling at me. They may pull out a gun and shoot me. You know, I may be getting harassed for this. And it is it's become such a volatile and violent you know, that's, of course, always been the case throughout, you know, human history. But 
when you're in it, it feels so much more prevalent and dramatic. Yeah, I understand that. And honestly, there was a lot of controversy with SNL doing a lot of that political stuff for that exact reason. You know, just creating drama. And I didn't really care for it after a while. You know, it it's funny, I guess, at first when it's it's, you know, a little skit and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, when Trump came on stage, everyone knows Trump has orange hair. So seeing someone with orange hair, it's like, oh, this is a funny factor. You know, he, he looks goofy. Let's let's make a skit. But I don't think anyone could have told you that they were going to go on and on and on and on and on. And I mean, even with Andrew Yang, I I think about that and I can't help but to think about it with this conversation. Like I've talked to multiple people after that incident um, on SNL and they're like, you know, he was just mocked and, and it's unfortunate because now more than ever, like the stuff that he was trying to prepare society for is happening. Um, especially with the AI being developed in companies. And it's really unfortunate, you know, that the people can't be trusted to at least have a chance to provide for themselves better. Instead, our government's trying to siphon what it can. A hundred percent. And I I was thinking about this as well, is that the thing that I think needs to be brought in mind more is that the United States, we are not, apart from the way that we are constructed, we very much have the, uh, I feel as though the United States has the mentality that we exist in a bubble, that the United States, everything is is contained within one sphere and that nothing can touch us. Every problem we have is from the inside. When in reality, we very, very much are influential to everything outside of us everything outside of our nation's borders and vice versa and absolutely we you know especially considering how powerful america the united states has become and the reach by which i mean is the the most simplistic way i could put it is like look how many bases exist u.s military bases exist around the globe how many different stations we have for our military. It is insane. It is, ins- it is crazy to think how far, even just militarily speaking, don't even get me started on economically speaking, how far that reach extends. And so we, we very much are influencing the world around us and vice versa. But we, so are, we have such an a ethnocentric mentality as to how the world works. Because despite people suffering in the United States, there's still a lot outside of our borders that is happening that we just do not talk about. Cam, would you mind trying to help reroute me back to the original uh, topic at hand? Yeah, of course. Companies are just looking for robots. Companies like corporations like Amazon, Target, uh, you know, Walmart, they're just looking for cogs. That is all the, the, the population has become to 
the owners and the managers of these as a preference i'd like to say i'm a huge proponent of capitalism i first of all i believe that certain social safety nets need to exist as given by the government but i'm still a proponent of capitalism i am i despise corporations even realizing that i am going to work for one i still very much hold the sentiment that they're the un completely unregulated corporations are destroying this nation and it's difficult to say because it feels like no one sees that. But the way, but if you look at the way in which education is going, so you know the way in which culture is shifting, it very much feels like it's spiraling towards like, hey, apart from you know these occasional glimpses of you being able to get like an idealized, fantasized life, you're going to be stuck working nine to five for the rest of your existence with with little sparse moments of happiness. And, of course, life is not going to be always sunshine and rainbows. As you and I both know, as I'm sure everyone who's listening, or anyone who listens to this right now, life sucks. At no point is life not going to suck. There are going to be moments of happiness, but there's going to be moments of sadness. But the thing to keep in mind, the thing that I always think about is, one, this is where philosophy comes in, but two, Having the power to recognize that things need to change and then having that conversation of how things need to change. And I feel that right now, as, as we've been saying, it's just like this, these discussions are happening. They need to happen. People need to start having these deep, philosophical, ideologically questioning conversations in order to direct the future of the nation back into the hands of the people and not as you said the oligarchy because that is very much what it is becoming it's been set up to be this way for a long time past our generations and that's a hard thing for us to understand because it, it's hard to grasp that kind of control but ultimately we don't own a lot of land our generation we own at least as of a few years ago, I looked at a statistic that said 12% of our generation owned land, which is uh, terribly small for uh, some of the other generations. They bought land in their 20s all the time. So, you know, it's, it's, um, there's been a shift in what it means to be a part of society. And I think that. Ultimately, people have to understand we're not to be working against each other. We really should be compiling resources, so to speak. We have so many tools developed. There's no reason we can't collaborate and integrate projects together um, or different fields together. The, the only thing that really bums me out is when people don't want to get together as a society and um, on projects, you know, community projects, and because oh, those, yeah. those things are really good for networking, and you could potentially build a group locally, and that's the best part that you could function and make something new from that experience from that network. Oh, hundred percent. And the other thing to add is uh, tie into philosophy, and that's um, what you've been referring to is uh, stoic beliefs and 
I've been adhering to stoic beliefs for a few years and trying to, you know, help stabilize and balance my thoughts into something I can understand with with a balanced emotion. And it, it does help, but the core uh, values being wisdom, temperance, justice, and courage are honestly very powerful. And I can't uh, stress that enough. No, absolutely. And I, and I actually, like, I, I got one more thing I'd like to add uh, as far as for the community efforts part, but then, because I would really like to go in and talk more about philosophy, because honestly, I feel like that's something that you and I have not done for a while. We haven't had a, a nice, deep talk about it in a min. But I, the, 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 the volunteer organization that I have been a part of, uh, California Homemakers Association, it is built off of that. The, this organization takes... The thing that always baffles me is that... Excuse me. <clears throat> it is built off of the community. CHA takes no government funding whatsoever. It is considered a non-profit, but it is not viable to receive... And actually, the, the foundation is, is that it refuses any help from the government because the minute that you receive government funding... It limits what you can do. You can't, like, if we were to take, you know, some government subsidies, we can't protest. We can't go out and organize people to, like, go to protest at PG&E. We wouldn't be able to do that. So everything, there, there's, a, there's a set members called Cadre there. And this is part of a whole nationwide effort. There's all these different organizations. There's one that actually exists near Reading. Um, there's one in San Francisco, one down in Oakland, one further south from there. And everything that it uses is donated by members in the community. Even if it, anything from, from a brand new refrigerator to a roll of stamps, all of it is donated by the community. And it's incredible to see. But you have to network with that. You have to be able to go and speak to people. And I've gone on for I, I've been volunteering there for over a year now. I've only now had to stop take a and take a break because I've been feeling some burning some burnout recently. But every Saturday, the, these cod, the cadre members are working seven days a week, ten hours a day from nine a.m. to nine p.m. They're just going. They're not getting paid, they're volunteering their time, but they're working for the organization. And every Saturday is a community canvas. You go out to the community, you, you go door to door, and you talk to people. And you try to get them to sign up as a member, because the more people you have, the more names you have, the more people willing to help. Even if people don't have the time to volunteer, as long as you have a name to add to your records... That is another person, that is another voice and another element of power. Every Friday, you go tabling. So you stand out in front of a store and you try to stop people, talk to them about this. And let me tell you, it is so frustrating to stand out there and look, look at someone Try to talk to them and be like, hey, have you heard? Hey, you know, we're looking to change poverty conditions, build a voice for working people. Have you ever heard of California Homemakers Association? 
and have the people just put up their hands and say, sorry, I'm busy right now, or sorry, I'm not interested, and keep on their way. I cannot say, I cannot count the amount of times that I've gone to stop someone and they've kind of just, and they've just blown me off. Because the way in which that, you know, the culture and the economy go is that it is individualistic. You have to take care of yourself first. And that, of course, is, you know, that sense of self-preservation. You need, you need to take care of yourself. But also, you need to take care of your community. You need to interact with your neighbors and the people around you. And that is non-existent, especially in, in, the, in the cities now. In, in small areas like, you know, where we grew up in Plumes County and such, there is that element. But at the same time, it's limited. In, in the city, non-existent. And it very much, it is hard work to try to get through to people and get them to listen and talk. And every now and then, you do get someone who's like, dude, I totally understand what you're saying. I, I feel you. I'm going through shit myself. I'm having to like work several jobs to just try to make ends meet. How can I sign up? How can I help? And you do get people like that, but not everyone's going to be that way. And so those efforts do exist. And actually, I can say this. For anyone who's listening right now, if you want to make change, try to find, you know, look in your local area and see if there's an organization that exists like that. Um, because for me as well, volunteering, and actually this is delves into psychology and philosophy here, being altruistic will help you. It will make you feel a better person. Altru uh, volunteering and altruistic acts um, and selfless acts in general actually have been scientifically shown to decrease depression, anxiety, and will genuinely make you feel better. So, if there's ever a day when you're feeling down, you know, volunteer. Just go and help people. Help around the house. Go and uh, go and do a project for someone. It, it, it does help. And that altruistic act of helping others, that is what needs to be that basis for change. That itself is what I think needs to be the cornerstone when it comes to bringing about change. And because this, and actually in relation to SNL, all the attention. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate. And this is, this is why I uh, had originally tied politics in anyways, is because it, it's to get an understanding of the room, right? This mm -hmm. is the society we live in. This is our country. These are discussions we should all be having in one frame or another to identify the situation at hand. And the situation at hand is we're in so much debt as a country, our society is at stake. I think we all know that. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's there's things in our society that have enabled us to complete tasks that before seemed uncomprehensible. And that's a good aspect for what we need to, the problems we need to engage with in the 21st century. But the problem's always been with society and how we engage with each other. And <laughs> is this technology going to be used for a good purpose? Um, is the money going to be used for a good purpose? Uh, if, if America had all the money given to it 
to get out of debt, what do we get right back in debt? You guarantee it. A hundred percent. You could you Elon Musk could literally hand over all the money to the United could you could liquidate everything he has and give it to us in the United States. And I a dollar say like a year or two later, we our nation would be ripped asunder. Like there there'd be no it doesn't matter how much money you have. If ideologically the basis by which you form your society off of is not working, nothing you do is going to fix it. It's not a good environment. Basically, our society integrates a lot of aspects that seem untangible. Because the amount of things you have to juggle... It's like an information overload, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that school should help prepare you for. There should be aspects to school that help guide you, like a frontier roadmap. You don't necessarily have a straightforward line that you follow, but you have resources along your journey that you have that independent choice to engage with. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's something that really, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but to jump on that specifically is we're not, te- I think one of the larger elements is we're not teaching kids how to critically think in, in high school. That means I, I only literally, I did not feel like I had a brain up until I started going to college. I don't mean, and I don't mean in the sense of like, oh, I'm far superior now that I have all this knowledge stored up in my brain. Everyone is beneath me. But it, and it's, I don't, I don't want that to come off it like that at all. But I now feel like I'm able to think properly. I feel like I'm able to approach a situation from a constructive lens. And actually learn not only process it better but learn from it better and you know i feel like you know thinking back to like uh some english classes when everyone was reading novels and stuff i feel like that may be what they're trying to go for of like hey you know what are the underlying meanings here yada 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 but it's not working like I would have rather had this kind of, I would have rather learned how to have this kind of discussion than read Catcher in the Rye. Like, the, 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 what is being taught and the way that it is being taught needs to transition. Because part of it as well is that technology, as you're saying, is changing as well. And there is that disconnect between the advancements of the human, of, you know, our society and species and the way in which, you know, we're learning, that needs to change. Well, and I think the way that it's addressed needs to actually change, too, because it does feel like you're, everyone who has an issue with it is talking to an abyss, you know, a black pit, that never, a void that never responds. Um, and the problem's been identified, right? The the systems are outdated. The methods of teaching, I mean, they're just um, ousting homework. So 
they're making steps in some places, but these are steps. We need integration at a wider level than that. We need a uh, federal integration. Absolutely. And, and as well, I, I think that part of it as well is that the way in which schools get funding, because the way that it is, is that it completely relies on test scores. The schools that have the best uh, test scores are going to be the schools that are getting the most funding. And that's just going to create a positive feedback loop that just forces schools to close down. And that is being seen now is that if you aren't able to offer enough programs, if you're not able to offer kids the opportunity to learn in a constructive manner, if you can't hire enough faculty or get even school supplies, my, my band instructor in, you know, fucking junior and senior year, he had to buy sheet paper and music with his own money. The school didn't give him enough. He had to go and buy supplies, band supplies, for his class with his own money. And so, and frankly, I don't fucking, I do not blame him for leaving. That was, uh, you know, for, for my high school, he, he, you know, all the teachers make do with what they got. But they are also put in the same situation of us of just trying to make do and, you know, do what we can. And there needs to be more discussion between both the teachers and the parents as to how their kids are being taught and the manner by which they're being taught and where that money's going to come from. I agree. I 100% agree. The problem is not just going to be solved in a day like we've addressed. It's, it's something that has been rooted in society for over 100 years. Our Absolutely. schools are very institutionalized at this point and that's that's the problem where it all comes down to money there's lobbyists that want things to be how they are so they can run the schools and get their money i i'm sure that's all it is 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 the take of money that comes from it absolutely um, but that i i I like most people I don't think we we have any clue what operates at that level. We just understand there's a problem and it should be it should be operated better. I mean the youth deserves that. Absolutely. Every every youth they they should have an equal opportunity if if not in the workforce and education. And and I think that's kind of that is the issues by which I think things are arising right now specifically is if you look at the the founding legislature of our nation, the Declaration of Independence. You know what? I, better yet. Hold on a second. Let's see. No, uh, let's see. Not the Bill of Rights or is it Bill of Rights? Yeah, see, this is the this is the exact issue with the American education. I can't even remember you know, the exact wording yeah. to the foundation of our uh of what gives us these rights, you know, but it's the, it's a concept of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Every man, every born person should have these opportunities available to them. People should be able to go and, you know, people are, people are going to make decisions. Sometimes I fully acknowledge that there are people out there that could be given all the opportunity that can be afforded to them. And they make the worst decisions possible. 
I'm not going. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and ignore the fact that you know pe- that people do make mistakes. That is something. And I th- okay, this is probably something that could be talked about later as well. But you know, there are people that squander opportunities. I have squandered many opportunities in my life, and I fully acknowledge that. But then there's also plenty of times that I've taken the opportunities that have been offered to me, and they've made me better. But then there are the people who want to take these opportunities, but they do not exist. They are not open and offered to them. And that is where the issue lies, is that people are going to make their decisions, but certain things are outside of their control. And that's where... With the active life of the outdoors coming up, people are looking to be out and about more. Sasquatch Farms CBD brings organically grown products in the Sierra Nevadas from the soil to the people. Farmer John has worked on green projects on the farm since 2013. He looks forward to providing you with the highest quality soaps, salves, CBD tinctures, pre-rolls, along with some other fresh products. It takes a community in farming to survive, so any efforts made to support our farmers in the world helps to support our society as a whole. So remember, if you can't catch him out on the farmer's market, catch him online at sasquatchfarmscbd.com. That's sasquatchfarmscbd.com. Thank you. Now back to the show. And, I, and, and actually, if we, I'd like to try and, uh, I want to go ahead and just railroad this conversation, but in regards to all of this, I think really it loops back to, as you were saying, it, in regards to politics and culture, it comes back to philosophy. And I think that right now, with the entertainment industry and with the, 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 classes, the clashes in ideology, philosophy needs to be taken to the forefront here. And... I mean, you know, for for you and me both, it's like I'm all I will always be grateful for you, and, and I, I I'd like to you know say and thank you for introducing me to stoicism, because you know when COVID hit, I went into I got really depressed. I ended up going to therapy, and within that time, I remember I was hanging out with you one day, and you're like, "Hey, man, you know." I've been doing some listening and reading on this guy, Marcus Aurelius, you know, a Roman emperor and this philosophy that he used called Stoicism. And, you know, I found a book and the rest of the time we just started talking about Stoicism. And for me right now, as I'm sure you can say, as, and you've been reiterating, for the both of us, it has become a cornerstone by which I view the world. The reason that I'm able to to do the things I, the way I think today, have these conversations is because I changed and adopted a new philosophy. And on top of specifically speaking of stoicism, it has really helped me try to process these issues in our nation. Because more often than not, I, you know, when you talk about these things, it's easy to get anxious. It's easy to get frustrated and fear for the future and become angry at the lack of you know of action and unification and for me philo- you know stoicism has helped me 
really get that grounding. I I appreciate you saying that for starts. It's been a pleasure sharing philosophy with people. And I enjoy when people share new philosophy with me. Um, podcasts, the whole reason I started a podcast was actually because of my experience with them. And um, I wanted to help bring that to a new audience that maybe didn't understand, like, that, hey, it's it's okay to take a step back in life because we all have those terrible work days and those terrible moments of ourselves where, you know, we're disgusted by what we do or upset with the path we chose, if it's anger, if it's sadness, you know, spending a lot of time in depression or uh, anxiety. It, there's, there's a lot of things uh, with the, the human condition that come up and philosophy helps you get a grasp of your inner core and guide that to a place where it's more reasonable and more secure for you to make a decision forward. And that's what I've always enjoyed about it. Absolutely. And I, I, I think that's kind of the... In regards to that, like the fact that it has given me such a, a strong basis by which I can improve myself upon. Um, I, 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 li- I like to preface and just say out there that... <laughs> and I, I, was, I was telling a, a friend of this, I do not... Con- like, though I may be training myself in the way of stoicism, I'm not a stoic. I, I, on the daily, I, find, I, I slip up and I do... And it can be hard sometimes to try to follow that, that uh, you know, the teachings that you and I have been, have, you know, read about and stuff. But at the same cool. time, it, it takes time to develop. This is, what I've realized is that philosophy, and specifically Stoicism, the only time I will ever be considered a Stoic is when I'm long and dead and other people are going to be reflecting on you know who i am as a person i i i i i think i kind of started picking that up with marcus aurelius because with his meditations that was his journal he was not expecting anybody to read those that was his own thoughts and words of the day as he was writing them down as he was experiencing his emotions and his life and only now, well after he's been dead, do we still consider him as one of the great Stoics. And for me, it's very much of like remembering that this is going to take time. I am a human and I'm not perfect. But recognizing that and just seeking to better myself is a huge step forward in becoming a Stoic. Exactly. And and you said it right. You're you're a human. We're we're human first, and our philosophy second. <laughs> that's how I feel, because you know. It, well, it, and that's well. That's actually, it's both right and wrong. And and taken in context with Stoicism, it's both in one because the emotional spectrum is part of the philosophy. And part of yourself. 
So, and that's that's the beauty of the philosophy uh, for anyone who's not familiar is it's core identity is engaging with your emotions but not letting them control you and yes. ultimately that's that's the that's the trial and error because it, it's okay to be angry at things that require anger there's plenty of things in the world that i would be upset about if they happened in front of me and i bore witness but it's not letting that control your life after that point it's letting those things go and and letting them mold you into a new character that's your understanding and that's your will engaged together on it, it it's really funny that you that you speak of that because there was um a couple of weeks ago actually i was hanging out with some friends and i was just like oh yeah i was speaking about stoicism or you know i was kind of being like oh you know i thought of this today and i was like oh that was very stoic of me and such and one of my friends uh he turned to me and he's just like ben come on you're not a stoic and <laughs> this is such a, a such a cool thing like even as i reflect about now i'm like so impressed with myself but my initial reaction was the fuck do you mean i'm not a stoic i didn't say that out loud but that was my like my in my head that was my reaction was immediately to, to defend myself but then the minute i thought that i stepped back and i'm like you know what i'm just gonna let that slide I'm not going to I'm not going to react to that. I'm not going to go and start criticizing him and say how dare you say that to me because it doesn't matter whether or not he thinks I'm a stoic. I am not perfect, but I'm going to try and hold myself to the the tenets of stoicism. And then later later in the week when I was hanging out with my uh, my my friend as we were on a hike and I was telling him about that I was like, you know, I was so frustrated. And then, you know, that he said that to me. And then I was just like, I'm just going to ignore it. It's fine. It, he, it doesn't, you know, it's, I'm not going to let it affect me. He turned to me. He's just like, dude, that was incredibly stoic of you. He was like, that is so cool that you were able to, to, even though you don't, you didn't recognize it in the moment, it influenced the way you reacted. And I was just like, holy shit. No, you're right. And even even when I went back and was hanging out again with the friend who didn't who called me, you know, not a stoic, he he explained to it. He just like, like when I think of stoicism, I think of emotionless and and robotic. And when I look at you, Ben, that's not what I see at all. You're the complete opposite of that. And I realized as well through a lack of it. it it's understand one of the things of stoicism is understanding that people are going to have different views and people aren't always going to understand what you're saying or, you know, what you mean when you communicate. That's, you know, what miscommunication is, is the crossing of wires there. But I was then able to go and explain to him like, well, there is that misconception of, of stoicism that's just like, oh, you're a robot, you're emotionless, you completely remove all your connections to everything and you become an automaton. And that's not it at all. It's Feeling your emotions, acknowledging that you are human and you experience these things, but not letting it get to you and be the sole driving factor of your existence. So we'll go off of this. 
A person who can endure pain or hardship without showing their feelings or complaining. A member of an ancient philosophical school of Stoicism. So they've actually modified that um, at a point, at least according to Oxford. Because originally, Stoic just showed the first definition. Right. But Stoicism definition, if we type that in. One sec, it's loading. Stoicism is an ancient Greek school of philosophy founded at Athens by Zeno of uh, Sitium. The school taught that virtue, the highest good, is based on knowledge. The wise live in harmony with the divine reason, also identified with fate and province, that governs nature and are indifferent to the vicissitudes of ah, fortune and to pleasure and gain. Or, and sorry, pleasure and pain. Excuse me. And I mean, that's what I love is that actually this semester I took a social psychology and a philosophy class. And while no one, like very rarely was it mentioned, you know, the topic of stoicism mentioned apart from like when I might butt in and add in something that from my own experiences, we as a species, though, we consider ourselves to be very, you know, superior. We very much are driven by the two factors of pain and pleasure. You want, you, you know, the core, you know, basic human understanding to my knowledge is we like pleasure. We want pleasure, we don't like pain, and we do everything we can to avoid pain. Well, and something to add real fast is instant gratification is also an aspect of that. And in that Absolutely. situation, too, based off of what I'm realizing now, is he, he assumed that you didn't go through hardship or endurance. Because even mm. at the definition of being a stoic, um, like... Either definition, he's going off an, an assumption that he knows what's going on in your day-to-day -day life. Um, at least in, in your mental mind, you could be going through a lot of hardship. Um, and that's, that's part of that is, is people go for that instant, instant knowledge, that instant gratification. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that's the biggest thing as well is that what I love about philosophy, specifically in regards to stoicism, it doesn't matter where you come from, you can be a Stoic. During COVID, when I was started, after I took a semester off, because let me tell you, man, I'm sure everyone who's listening, as we went through COVID, shit was fucked. 100% shit was fucked. I, I went into that depression and I did not want to go to school. I took a semester off and thank God I did, because otherwise I'd be a completely different person. But uh, the following semester, when I started to, to ease myself back into learning again, um, I was taking a theater class as, you know, to complete a requirement. Even though I love theater and acting, I love, you know, doing acting. I always have. Um, but I ended up doing a scene with this girl named uh, Isha. Isha, that's right. And she's Muslim. And so, you know, we did, you know, we went through doing our lines, yada, yada, yada. When we went through our own scene because we were doing a practice 
And then I mentioned stoicism and she's like, oh, are you, are you, do you read about stoicism? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, awesome. I read about stoicism as well. And I was like, what? That is insane. And so we started talking and she's like, you know, growing up Muslim and, you know, even though like, you know, there's a certain ideology and a philosophy that comes with, you know, being a Muslim, because I grew up atheist. Um, I never practiced religion with my family. It, it bothered my mind that it was just like, wow, this really is a universal practice. It doesn't matter where you come from. You could be of so many different, you know, origins and still have this at your core. And we just started talking about it. Like, even though we have our different experiences that we both realize it's like, yeah, this is something that can help so many people. And I, the thing that I think that everybody to keep in mind is as well is that while I enjoy talking about philosophy and I enjoy, you know, talking about like what's happening in my mind, I'm not always thinking about philosophy. And I think Marcus Aurelius said it best is that philosophy and stoicism should be applied is, is, is like a salve for the soul in you don't you don't always need to be super self-aware introspective and always questioning every action that you do if anything that is more detrimental than being just as detrimental as being completely unaware of yourself but it is good to have and to apply to yourself as a remedy for when you are in pain or you're having trouble because it will help. There will be times when you are feeling joy and happiness and you will not even be considering stoicism because you're in that moment. Now, of course, that may not always be the case. Another corner of stoicism is knowing when you have enough, being grateful for what you have in that moment and knowing when to stop. Moderation. Moderation is key. But you may not always be thinking about that when you're happy. So, But when you're down, you're in pain or you're hurting or you're, you're depressed or something, that's when you should pop out the salve and start, you know, applying it to yourself, even more so. It's good to have those cornerstones, but there are moments when you will need it more. And that's what I love about it. What I was just thinking, actually, is in the, in, in the society that we live in, in the culture that we're a part of, we live in a very gluttonous culture. So much is always, like, so much of it is on like oh buy this new expensive thing or go and get this the amount of ads that you get on youtube or on social media that just said oh buy this new thing here's this here's this here's this and how easy it is to just be so overwhelmed by it and for me stoicism has very much given me the the foundations to see something because it it, it very much is the attention the attention uh industry is very, very much become very, very prevalent, I'm sure many people realize. And it's designed in a way to make you want to do things. But being able to say, no, I could have that, but I don't need it, is, for me, really core to having a longer life and realizing it's just like, I can go and spend all the money I have on all these different material things, but at the end of the day, it's not going to matter unless I'm happy inside with myself and what I have right now. I agree. Having that balance and having an engagement with what you're trying to get out of your philosophy that works for your day to day 
because that's that's the biggest factor for me is I don't necessarily want to be distracting to other people when I'm talking about my beliefs. Um, I want to engage with people to show them a better way. Maybe that they wouldn't understand if they hadn't had been shown or they just didn't think about it themselves. I I know it's happened to me before and I'm sure plenty of people out there have the same experience. Talking to someone sparks some interest into a new thing. I mean, as you said, uh, our talks about philosophy sparked your interest in uh, learning more about Stoicism. And that was a big step for you. And it was a big step for me. And that's part of why I do it, is so people can engage and understand the philosophy so it doesn't die. Because... There's no reason to lose such valuable knowledge to age. And and that's the thing is that I think for right now especially, encouraging people to have more of these discussions. Because I think because I think that's the cornerstone for being able to fix if we wanna fix the politics, if we wanna fix the way in which we our country talks, we have to change the way we talk to ourselves and to those immediately near to us. And for me, going to college and, you know, learning about philosophy is very much, you know, has very much influenced the way in which now I talk to myself and the world and the way the world works. Because when you go into a, a college class, here's the thing, is that and I think that this is this is another cultural thing to to change on this. We're afraid to make mistakes. This is something that you know the anxiety about doing something wrong is something that has plagued me throughout my life personally. You know that's where you know when I was a lot younger, when I got into high school, I didn't I wasn't upfront with my parents and showing them you know my low test scores because I. You know, in my mind, I was like, I'm fucking up and, you know, they're not going to they're not going to love me anymore. You know, they're not going to they're not going to, you know, they're going to be disappointed with me, which and, and, and like as a preference now, it's just like that is not how they view it at all. For I'm very fortunate to learn that, you know, my 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 high school brain was not comprehending this the situation well whatsoever. But. You are afraid. I feel like a lot of people is just like it is framed that there is only one right answer to questions in high school. In college, that is not the case. In college, it is especially when you get into a lot of the upper division courses of your major and you start actually talking with people and having conversations. The environment by which these conversations happen completely change. Is it perfect? No. A lot of times there are going to be people who just do not like talking in public and who do not like talking in a large group setting. I do not have that problem. I never shut the fuck up and I love talking. But not everybody is that way. But there is times when a class setting is structured in a way where everyone feels comfortable in contributing something. Because 
I've come to realize in many situations, there is no right answer. It really does depend on the individual. And I think recognizing that like we as humans, we make mistakes and we're going to have different reactions to different situations and being able to talk about that, being able to relate to that and having a, a solid philosophical foundation will garner better, will garner more constructive conversations for the future. And so I think, I think that the, the thing that needs to change now is encouraging people to really dig deep. Go to therapy, learn. You know, some people may not need to go to therapy. That's a whole nother a basket of eggs. But uh, at, actually during COVID, uh, when you introduced me to philosophy, I was also going to, to therapy at the same time. And I had a great time there. It was hard sometimes, but it was overall really nice because I would walk down to the therapy session have the session, and then when I'd be walking back, I'd be listening to um, the audiobook on Stoicism. The narrator would just reiterate exactly what I had just talked about in my session. And so it was a really interesting pairing between the two, and I think that is something that really helps is that even just hearing someone talk and share an idea from, you know, doing or reading something about philosophy and about people's past experiences can help you navigate your own in the present. And so I think encouraging people more to talk deep down about how they think and the way they go about the world is going to be super important. Yeah, I agree. I I think that there's a sense of self-therapy. Just, I mean, meditating, really. When you isolate yourself and there's no saying it has to be silent meditation. That's kind of the thing people miss i mean there could be fitness meditation where you're taking a hike and you know you're active your blood is pumping and you're taking a journey trying to isolate yourself from civilization possibly and that's uh that's like a forest meditation or a trail meditation in my opinion, unless you're taking a full-on backpacking trip, but then, then again, you know that that could be meditation for you as well. It depends what kind of person you are. So, absolutely, and I think you know what's interesting to that, and specifically, I, I think we see that a lot with you know. I very much I love to take hikes. Like the the amount of times that you and I have kind of just wandered off into the woods just to kind of reflect have always been, you know, a, a, a part of our, our friendship that I really enjoy, just being able to go and hang out, fuck off to somewhere random enough, and just sit down and talk. And what I realized as well is, like, people do that, but it's in different ways. Some pe For some people, it's going on a hike. For some people, it's just going and sitting down and meditating. For some people, it's taking a drive um, and trying to, and because I feel like, Entering into a flow state, I think, is some is 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 a very vital avenue of trying to use trying to to understand yourself more and be able to process what you're experiencing and thinking. And so, being able to set aside that time and be alone 
with yourself. It's not good to always, you know, isolate yourself and, 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 and remain away from other people. We are social animals. Everybody may, you know, there's introverts, there's extroverts, there's everything in between and far away from. But at the end of the day, we are social creatures. We need other human beings to survive. We came from humans and we will die with humans. Or at least that I would like to, that may not be entirely true, but that's how we came about to be, even though we may die differently. But being able to sit alone with your thoughts, that's the end of that thought stream right there. For, for me, at least. That makes perfect sense. There's just a lot of people that don't engage with how it should be. And that's basically conversating as a society. Like the general consensus is we're social creatures. Like at the core of our well-being, we need that social interaction at some point. And even even if it's with animals, man, I feel like mm-hmm. there's a degree where if you're connected with nature, then you have enough connection and how some people are able to make it so super isolated but generally the average person wouldn't be able to function without the people around them i mean if they didn't have grocery stores being restocked or you know people out in farms and in factories and trucks i mean it's a whole team effort as weird as it sounds it's it's a global team effort to a degree to get resources from one area to the other. So I, yeah, I mean that's the only reason that our species came about in the first place. Like for me, uh, uh, last semester I got to take a class called Archaeology in the Bible, which was basically taking the the perspective of it was we were looking at the Levant region. Um, centered around primarily Jerusalem and the nearby uh, the areas where uh, modern-day Israel and a lot of the uh, the like with Egypt, uh, Iraq, kind of like that east of the Mediterranean Sea, and basically we're taking like okay here we take the the Quran the uh, I'm can't I can't remember what the uh, the Jewish holy book is, I believe it's the, the Torah. Um, and then also the, the cat, the Christian Bible. I believe you're right. Uh, yeah, that's right. So the Quran, Torah, and then also the, the Bible. And we basically were trying to look through and be like, you know, these all centered around a similar area. And that similar area is basically where a lot of modern day, uh, civilizations and cultures really came from, because within that area you had the uh, the Neolithic period, um, which is where you see people starting to really kind of form larger communities. Uh, it is within the the transition between the Neolithic to the early Bronze Age, and uh, I, I can't remember the exacts of the class. It's been a minute since we talked about the subject. But within that time, you see something called social complexity start to emerge. 
it is within this period that you see communities start to expand more and create specialization. This is where agriculture, you know, stat, you know, static agriculture comes from. People are transitioning from being a lot more nomadic to being a lot more um, sedimentary. They're going to start settling down in one place. And, you know, for a lot of a lot of communities, uh, the, the thing I'd like to preface here and as an uh, as an anthropologist and as someone who is trained in archaeology, the remains we find sometimes they're really well preserved but a lot of uh can you still hear me <laughs> yes there we go sorry about that it's okay internet that connection was just funny you you just all of a sudden trickled out <laughs> like oh no uh so that's just yeah. the way um uh, but to try to finish up on the point that i that i'm making is like within that time of specialization <laughs> The ability for people to focus on one particular aspect of production, one person specifically farms, he and his family and his descendants primarily are going to be working in fields. They're going to be agrarian in that sense. Certain people are going to start studying metallurgy. Certain people are going to go more into um, when written languages started coming about, that was specifically for a lot of the elites and the upper class of, of you know, uh, beginning societies. Only elites had the ability to read and to write. That was very much a, a knowledge was a limited resource. No longer the case nowadays, but there's still a lot that happens that we don't know about in our in our modern era. But it is from that area that you see. It's incredible to see how we have changed and our ability as a species to problem solve, to change that and use that to better ourselves and to improve our situations. It's never going to be a sure thing. I mean, I'm sure the people in Pompeii thought they were doing pretty good and then got, you know, wiped off the face of the earth by a volcano out of their control. But, you know, with that, it's like, we are still, we are not completely separate from nature. I think that is something that we've kind of lost with our modern world is that, you know, we can, we're, we're really advanced, but we're not invulnerable. We're not invincible to the, to the workings of nature and the universe. We very much at any moment can die. And, or a society, the civilization by which we hold true falls apart it's happened in the past and it will continue to happen throughout human existence but it's what we can do in the now that is important and i and you know for me is you know going to school becoming anthropology and even now uh training and cultural resource management for the future really has highlighted that our our existence is very finite on this planet and but we as a species still have so much power in you know in the way that we have evolved in the way that our our genetics works we have these brains and this ability to use it and we just need to encourage it more we need to change the way in which our society you know learns and talks and structures to encourage that yeah i agree the the structure is important it's like with bodybuilding. Absolutely. Well, there's there's a lot to unpack with all of this. 
Yeah. I feel like we took quite the deep dive into it all. Did I, I, I feel like, I don't know if, uh, I, I feel like I maybe should have prefaced this at the beginning, though, anyone who's listening to this, and who's made it this far, uh, congratulations uh, for somehow being able to keep up with my train of thought. Um, <laughs> but, you know, man, ADHD, it, it goes hard. It goes hard. Oh, of course. It, it wouldn't be ADHD without the the ideas. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But I think uh, we'll have to come back to discuss some more topics in the future. We have a lot planned with different panels of people, and I think you'd be great to join us for a panel at a point. Oh, absolutely. I would love to. Yeah, I I think your anthropology major is super awesome. Um, And good good work getting there this year. It's got to feel good to finish up. I wish you luck on that. I much appreciate it, man. Looking back now, it's apart from all the crazy shit that has happened... It has been a hundred percent worth it, and it it was worth the experience, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I've met so many wonderful people at college. I've had, I've learned so much, and I'm I'm really appreciative of the experiences and the opportunities that I've had. And I look forward to sharing it with people and encouraging people to to do the same. And I think this is going to really help people understand from an inside perspective of how much you can gain from proper education. If you actually know what you're going for and what you're looking for, you'll find the people just have to actually work around the unfortunate flaws of the system right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, hopefully there's a roadmap in the future to improve this a little better. Absolutely. And I think that's just to, just as like a, a final nail in the coffin, um, or I suppose a final a final pin that I can put in is ultimately the end of the day. You know, if you're listening to this is and you're you're having trouble kind of figuring out where to go, as as brutal as this may sound, shit or get off the path. Like there is no wrong decision that you can make if you if you make a decision and you realize that you shouldn't have made that decision. Learn from it and do what you can to improve yourself from there. Change your directory. You have that in your power as an intelligent, rational human being. That is what has allowed us to get to the point where we are. So, you know, as said, but there is no right way to live. You know, go into the workforce, go to community college, go to university, go to trade school, go fuck off and live in the woods by, you know, in a small community in a log cabin. Do as you feel you need to do. In, in the end, of course, you know, respect your fellow human and treat everyone you can with ki- everyone you meet with kindness. I always would like to preface that as as a point. But live your life. You know, do you, you only get one existence on this planet? Do what you feel is right and what you need to do. That's the best. That's the best yeah. I can say. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Just to top it off, is there any? sources of media you'd recommend like books or podcasts oh absolutely um for me there is uh if you're interested in stoicism or learning more about uh learning learning more about philosophy specifically in regards to stoicism there is a gentleman named ryan holiday 
Uh, he has a YouTube channel called The Daily Stoic, um, where he does uh, probably about, you know, anywhere between 10 to, to 30 minute videos talking about um, stoicism. He's written several different books. Uh, and then he also has a daily email um, or a, a weekly email that you can sign up for for free. And you every day you will receive a uh, an email from the, written by him and from the uh, the program or from the from the Daily Stoics that will talk a little bit about philosophy and the and the, the Stoic philosophy. So that is something I would encourage. Of course, uh, listen to more of these podcasts here. Cameron has put in a lot of hard work in in doing this media, making these podcasts, getting people in and recording them and editing them. So, you know, you know, follow his, follow the, follow the podcast, encourage more people to listen to it, share it. Um, and as I said, if you have anything yourself, join the discord and, you know, put it into the chat, let people know of the, of your knowledge, what you have to offer. Thank you very much. And, and yes, I, I agree. The Daily Stoic is really good. He's one that I've followed for a while, and and the Sunday the Sunday Stoic, he's actually ending his podcast, um, pretty recently, but um, he might bring it back at a point. But he still has his whole archive of like three hundred plus podcasts. Yeah, Stoicism. <laughs> there's and plenty. There's plenty to learn. Oh yeah, there's plenty to go around. So, all in all, though, uh, we hope that you enjoyed listening and that today was an interesting conversation. I know that I definitely enjoyed it, and we covered a lot, <laughs> as we usually do, though. We yeah, as we, the, the, off the, of each other. the amount of tangents that are able to just, to just form from, conversate, from our conversations is, is kind of crazy. And I know that it can be kind of hard if you're listening to this to keep up with. So if there's if at any point in the future you're kind of like, hey, you know, a little bit of structure, I think, in the future would not be bad. But then again, I also really like this just, you know, throwing ideas around, you know, and just going with the flow of the conversation. It's one aspect that I hope to keep going is the raw feeling because it's not necessarily a bad thing to let people open up and, and be able to feel comfortable in an environment where they don't have to feel limited to what they have to say and and that's the power of media that we have and and that's generally like why I choose to do this as well with an open platform because People people have unique stories, and that means people have a unique perspective of what filter applies to those stories. So it, it's like you're getting that full understanding, that full grasp of what's going through their head uh, in that moment. And I think that's valuable for a lot of people who are feeling the same way and don't have an outlet for it. Absolutely. And I, I think that I think that's the biggest thing. You know, I we we probably should like do what we can and close this before we start twenty other tangents. But oh, of course, <laughs> you know, just just having a conversation, man. Just like going and and t just 
the best way to encourage conversations is to try to start one. And that's very much the case. Just like go to a friend or, you know, go online and just try talking with people. It can be hard, but at the end of the day, the only way that we're going to solve these problems and change things is by communicating. And so have a conversation. Be kind to people, but have a conversation. And be honest with yourself and others. Yeah. Yeah, those two value kindness and, and engagement. Those two are very important, especially if you want to network. It's not always easy to network every day. When you get very tired, you don't want to talk. I found that out the hard way. <laughs> yeah, I feel that's why I had to take a break from CHA at a point I'm kinda of like, man, I'm just so burnt out that, you know, I just was like, all right, I, I just need to take a break through man. I need to take a tea, sip some tea, and just relax. Sometimes knowing when to take the tactical retreat is important. Yeah, it's something that I need to learn in fucking total war, I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gaming's a whole nother discussion. Oh, uh, we we can we can go on we can go off on that all the time. But hey, it's been a pleasure having you on, Ben, and um, I know that you'll be back on in the future. Absolutely. So, yeah. Thanks so much for having me, man. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, I look forward to hopefully doing this in the future and uh, and branching out on subjects and maybe even getting some people in here and answering some questions. Actually, that I think. That might be something to, to talk about later down the line. Absolutely. Yeah, I know we'd love to have you. You have very, very good banter, my friend. So, <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And we will be talking to you guys later. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us today on this show. We really hope you enjoyed the content. We hope to bring new episodes in the future. There's so many stories to be told, and I look forward to diving into as much as possible and hearing from some of you, the listeners. If you'd like to reach out ever, feel free to reach out to the Discord or our email at freakswannaplaytoday at gmail.com. That's freakswannaplaytoday at gmail.com. You can reach out to me there. And if you're looking for any of the CBD products listed in our ad, feel free to go to the link in the description below. We hope you have a wonderful day and that you're able to gain some new perspective from today's episode. I know I did, and I'm sure Benjamin did as well. When you gather people together, it's it's quite the blessing. So I'm very thankful for this opportunity you guys give me to be able to listen in and for me to be able to show it, it really does give me a sense of joy so with that i leave you with a high note keep healthy keep well and, and keep merry